the second Sunday of Advent, and <clears throat> we've lit the peace candle. And it's interesting that all the music was peaceful, and there's a spirit of peace as we were singing, and I think that's where God wants us today. The uh, <clears throat> series that we're involved in is focusing on the different ways in which people saw Jesus. He was a phenomenon, and depending on where people were in their lives, in their station, and in their spiritual readiness, they saw Jesus in different ways. And we've done this for several weeks now. Today, I wanted to look at the uh, uh, Christmas story, and particularly the announcement, and I thought of through the eyes of the shepherds, but instead I'm going to talk about seeing Jesus through the eyes of the Christmas angels. What did those angels see when they appeared to the shepherds? And why is it that they appeared to shepherds? They could have gone to more important people. We're going to read through this familiar part of the Christmas story. And remember, our focus of the day is peace. And that's where we're going to end up. How does the Christmas good news bring peace? Well, let's reflect on the story beginning in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. After the birth of Jesus, it says, Now in that same region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. You know, we uh, think of angels as cute and cuddly. Uh, the shepherds didn't see it that way. Whatever appeared to them was not cute and cuddly. More kind of like an alien visitor. And they were terrified. The familiar King James Version said, they were sore afraid. I don't know whether you've ever been sore afraid. So afraid that you get sore. Actually, the Greek for that is an interesting phrase. It's, it's almost like he uses the word fear twice. It's like fear squared. And they were fearfully feared, fearing. And that was their response. In fact, their response was the opposite of peace. Let's go on in verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy. Whatever else we're going to read, this is all about good news of great joy, which this terrifying alien creature was bringing to the shepherds on the hill. It is good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Messiah the Lord. I want you to look at this carefully before we go on. Because sometimes we get a little careless with language. We say it is good news of great joy for all people. But that isn't what it says. It's singular for all the people. And it's specifically for the people of Israel that God called to be a channel for bringing the gospel to the world. It's specifically to those people that the good news is coming. 
And he is going to be born in the city of David. That reflects on all the promises of the Old Testament to the Jewish people. And he is Messiah the Lord. Messiah the Anointed One promised in the prophets. So this is clearly specific to the calling of the people of Israel. And ultimately we see that the Christmas story is a, the greatest blessing to the whole world. But it starts in a very specific way to all the people. And that's an important focus we're going to come back to. Verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. A sign? Okay, let's see. What's the sign? You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. How is that a sign? Well, this great birth of a history-changing figure who is going to be key to the redemption of mankind, this great birth happens in the poorest of circumstances. It is in a tiny town in a manger. That's where the horses and cows eat, full of hay, and uh, other smelly things. And there in the manger, in the humblest of stations in the smallest town, the most significant country of the world, how low can you go? That's a sign. The sign that that's where Messiah comes. It's a contrast and we're going to see this throughout this passage now, a contrast between there and here. It's a contrast between heavenly glory and earthly squalor. And the manger and the hay and the animals and the baby and the shepherds all tell you how powerless the earth is, how hopeless the earth is, how Little potential there is for lasting peace. And then verse 13, and suddenly, while well, they were surprised by one terrifying angel, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of aliens, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, here the cloud, it's like the skies are filled with angelic beings. I mean, if God is going to appear to humans, he's not coming to these shepherds. But here they were, confronted with this awesome revelation, entrusted with this awesome revelation. And here's what their message is. Now, we're going to look at this first in the familiar King James Version that most of us grew up on. The message of the angels. And we picture them singing, right? It doesn't say they sang. We don't know whether it's a chant or a proclamation in unison, but it was something awesome. And here, here are the words. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Uh, that, I mean, we all know that. That is the message of Christmas that we embrace. And the word uh, right in the middle of it, that is our word, is peace. On earth, peace. That's what we want to see, on earth, peace. When the angels 
looked at the baby and shared what they saw with the shepherds, the one word they used to describe this and the reaction that we would have from it is peace. But how does that come about? What's the connection between what happened there in Bethlehem and peace, which we all long for? Now this phrase, glory to God in the highest, in some translations it says, glory to God in the highest heavens. That's interesting because uh, the word heaven is not there, but the highest what? You kind of imagine, what does that mean? Glory to God in the highest. Uh, and uh, it, the idea that the highest heaven is in mind fits in with the picture we're going to get of how high can you go? How low can you go? But it's in that second phrase that I wanted to focus. What we just read, on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's from our traditional King James translation. And, and that goodwill toward men, I mean, that gives you a nice, warm, Christmassy feeling. But can that be all that this baby's birth meant? That we're going to all feel better? Or we're going to all act better so that we make each other feel better? Will peace come because the baby will bring a spirit of goodwill in society? So that people will be think, think the best of each other and they'll give each other the benefit of the doubt and forgive each other and embrace each other? We're still waiting for that. Is, all, is that what's needed to create peace on earth? Then let's all take an Alka-Seltzer and settle down and wait and feel better. The generic feel-good Christmas spirit, it's a nice thing, but it's not what really brings ultimate peace to the human heart. And that's why some people get depressed after Christmas, because the promise of peace does not last, because they're just experiencing that, that Christmassy feeling. But look at the way this phrase is translated in other passages, and you'll be intrigued, as I was. It's kind of confusing. The King James said, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It includes women, okay. Uh, and modern translations deal with the, the gender implications of the old English. But um, one translation um, uh, has on earth peace among men of goodwill or among people of goodwill. Oh, that's different. Uh, it's not just peace coming by goodwill that we show to one another, but it's peace coming to those who do show goodwill to one another. Um, actually, the, the first generation of believers had trouble with this, and the early manuscripts we have of the New Testament are all over the place with this phrase, and it was argued about right from the beginning. Scholars have come to agree that the, the original reading was supported the, the most modern translations, and here's what it is. This is kind of like a third option. On earth, peace among those whom he favors. At first, 
I don't like that. Because it shows that God is kind of choosing who he's going to bless. But if you think of the phrase, the meaning of the, of the whole uh, announcement with that understanding, it is glory to God in the highest heaven, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. So when the right relationship with God in heaven is established, the right relationship with people on earth can be experienced. And it's all going to happen through this baby. Remember the angel in uh, verses 10 and 11 had said to them, do not be afraid for see, I'm bringing you good news, great joy for all the people born this day in the city of David, the Messiah, the Lord. So it, it focuses on that that Jewish-Israeli origin, which the baby was part of. But those whom he favored, in the Old Testament, those whom he favored were the Israelites. That's, that's where it begins. And the people he called to channel his salvation to the world. But Israel had a history of rebellion against God's will. That's what the whole of the Old Testament teaches us. That's why they were not experiencing peace. The prophets said that over and over again. Conquered, subjected, suffering, conflict, war, chaos. But the angel said the baby is the new way to peace with God. For those people who are going to be identified as his. From this moment on, the people God favors will be the people who favor the baby. The people who make peace with him through his son will experience his heavenly peace. I grew up in northern New Jersey. Thank you. Forgive, forgive me for that. <laughs> and... Uh, and Columbia University was in New York, and it was an Ivy League school, and I knew about Columbia University. Columbia is known for being an Ivy League school. It's known for having Lauren Devon as a graduate, and it's known for having one of the worst marching bands in the world. And, and they were so bad that they decided to be really bad, and they developed a tradition back in the 50s and 60s of, uh, of, of marching out of step purposely. <laughs> and, uh, and, and ultimately, they, instead of going on the field and marching at halftime, they'd just all run, find their place, and, and they called it the scramble. <laughs> and it became a fad. I remember watching it on TV and saying, I was in the marching band. Being in step is really important. And these people were just, just uh, messing with ultimate reality here. But it caught on. And other Ivy League, you know, Ivy League schools can't match the Big Ten and all of that on the football field. And they couldn't in the marching band. So a lot of Ivy League schools picked that up, the scramble. And ultimately, it became part of the Stan Stanford tradition and, and uh, um, Stanford, of course, is known for the other Devon. 
And uh, now their football, their marching band scrambles and, and acts as awkward as possible, and that's the way they kind of are unique. Society without God, family without God, anything without God is like a marching band out of step. Getting right with God, listen, getting right with God does mean, doesn't mean getting God right with you, getting God in step with you. It means getting in step with God. Now, what's worse to a marching band enthusiast? What's worse than everybody being out of step? Well, it's when they're in the wrong step. You know, you're supposed to put the left foot down on one and three and the right foot down on two and four. And if you got it wrong, I mean, you, you know, you're hopeless. Uh, you have to have that right foot down on the left. So it's trying to get the rest of the band in tune with, in step with you, and then sometimes that works in our little world, but when you try to get God in step with you, you're in trouble. But, verse 20, verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place which the Lord has made known to us. And they went and they saw the baby. So the angel, remember, had said, you will see the one who will be able to get you in step with God. And this baby is God's channel for that. Verse 16, so they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. When the shepherds saw what the angels wanted them to see, the angel's vision was powerful. When they looked at that baby in the manger, they saw God's eternal plan for his relationship with all of humanity. This was God's plan for getting humanity in step with him. And here it is. Remember, heaven is up. Earth is down. Throughout this passage, the angels came from heaven. Then it says in what we just read, they returned to heaven. Well, glory to God in the highest heaven. Glory goes up. And peace comes down. And peace on earth to the people who make peace with him. That's the rhythm of the marching in step with God pattern of life. It is finding out when to take that step. And begins, we've been here in church and glorifying God. That's really important. Because when we glorify God and we establish what's up and what's down, 
then we know the next step in our life and that step will be taken with peace. And the rhythm of our life is glorifying God and experiencing peace. And if we don't glorify God, instead we glorify ourselves, we're out of step. And we're gonna have just as bad a record as Columbia. <laughs> Glory to God. That's the beginning. Peace on earth, that's the guaranteed result of being in step with God's eternal plan. The angels saw that. They pointed to the shepherds, and even somebody as poor and lowly as shepherds could get that. And when they saw the baby, the light went on. And their lives were transformed, and they had to go out and tell everybody. Lord, thank you for this insight into the true meaning of Christmas. Help us, Lord, to just fully acknowledge you. And as we praise you, as we glorify you today, help us not to put any clauses in that say, but I'd like you to do this for me. Help us to just give you the glory and trust you for everything else. And help us not to try to get you in step with our plans. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.